also want to say this, uh, uh, if I can real quick, uh, that I'm going to share some things this morning in the message. I'm going to really challenge you to think differently, to, 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 to get back to some basics in some areas of your life, to return to some things. And when I do, you, you may be thinking sometimes during the message, how do I do that? What do I need to do? What's my first step? Let me give you a great first step. This afternoon at 4 o'clock, this is second Sunday, so this afternoon, growth track is 201. It's about base. It's about those kinds of things. If you feel that, if you feel like, man, I've got to, I've got to renew some stuff, today is, is just perfect timing that 201 uh, happens on today after this message. So Jamie, Jamie handles that. You'll enjoy being with her at uh, uh, 4 o'clock. Uh, so I hope to see you there. If, uh, if you possibly can be here, if you've never been to 201, and today is just an awesome day. Let's have a word of prayer, and uh, let's, believe God to, uh, let's believe God to challenge us today. And restore some things in us. Father, I love you. Thank you, God, for the great things. Well, great things you did in the early service. And I pray, God, right now in this one, you do the same. God, challenge someone. God, restore. Renew faith, God. Rebuild faith. God, I pray that, that somebody has a personal revival today right there in their hearts, God. That it begins this very moment in, th- in this message. These few words that we have, God. That, that a, a new revival, God. A renewal in their life. A restoration, God, of childlike faith. I pray that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So, okay, we're going to, this morning we began a three-week series on Believe Again. And today we're talking about Believe Again in His Power. Would you turn to somebody next to you and say, Believe Again? Believe Again. Okay, so so let's look right here. I'll take you to Mark chapter 11, verse 20. You'll get into a story about Jesus. It says, in the morning as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. I'm going to tell you about the fig tree a little later, okay? Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Then Jesus answered, have faith in God. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Believe again. Believe again. Now, I'll, I'll tell you about that. I'll tell you about that that uh, that tree in just a little bit. But you, you you see the power that is there. This is the power that God has given us. The power that through faith in Him, prayer can be prayed and miracles happen in your life. Anybody need a miracle this morning? Anybody need something to happen in your life this week? Yeah. Okay. Only three of you gonna get one because only three of you needed one, right? I say you. Get on your toes here a little bit. Be ready, all right? I mean, if God's passing out miracles today, you want to be first in line, right? I mean, we all need God to do something. And this is the power that we have. I mean, the power that God says, if you speak to this mountain and, and, and literally, like, get up, walk yourself over, and jump in the sea, God says, if you believe, <coughs> if you do that and believe it, it's going to happen. That's the power that we have through faith in him through his promises, through his word, through his power, through his blood. That's the power that we have in him. But when did we quit believing? When did we quit believing? Because we used to have that faith. We used to have, if you're a Christian today, you had that faith at one point. Because when you first came to know Jesus Christ, you know what you did? You know what you were praying? Basically, you were saying sin. And some of us in our lives, sin is a mountain. There's a mountain of sin. Amen or oh me, right? I mean, way in the past. We got a mountain of sin. And when we prayed and asked God to forgive us, you know what we did? We said, we said, oh mountain of sin, get up, walk yourself up, and cast yourself into the sea of God's forgetfulness and never ever be remembered ever again. 
That's the faith we had as a child. Somebody say amen. Come on and help me here. Right? We had that faith, but when did we quit believing in that faith? When did we qu- I mean, the biggest power I think, I mean, some of you say, well, what I need, I need $500 today. Okay, now $500 sounds like a lot when you need $500, but there is no greater miracle than the miracle of God separating you from your sin. And if you can believe God for that, then why can't you believe God for all this other that you need in your life? This is it's the greatest miracle that happened. And you believe that when you ask Him to separate your, faith, your sin from you and cast that sin into the sea of God. It's the exact same thing Jesus was talking about here. And when you pray, believe, and you shall receive. When you prayed and you believed and asked God to forgive you of your sins, it happened just like that because of His power and His strength. When did it happen? It happens differently, different ways, different places for all of us. But when did it happen for you? Think about it. When did you stop believing? Perhaps, perhaps it was because you prayed a prayer and asked God for $500 and $500 didn't show up. And instead of digging, digging deeper and, and praying differently and, and believing and seeking and hanging on to God, you, the easier thing to do was just give up and say, well, just God, God just doesn't answer prayer anymore. And start losing that. Or maybe, maybe it was in church that you stop believing. Maybe because somebody, somebody mistreated you in church. Maybe even a well-meaning Christian did something to you in a church. Or maybe even a pastor offended you or abused you, mistreated you, mis- misused something of you, maybe exposed something about you that wasn't supposed to be exposed. And for whatever, whatever reason, you came, and, and I've called this for many, many years in my ministry, you came to a crisis of faith. And we all have them. Every single one of us comes to a place of a crisis of faith. A time where our faith is challenged and, and, and not just tested for a moment. Not just tested for a moment, but truly challenged. What, what do you do about it? John the Baptist had a crisis of faith. Uh, Simon Peter had a crisis of faith. And we could go through the scripture and I could show you crisis of faith over and over and over. Let me show you John the Baptist. You remember who John the Baptist was? He was Jesus' cousin who you know, was born to Mary's, uh, Mary's cousin. And he came early to, to prepare the way of the Lord. And he preached and, and he drew huge crowds out. And they came and, and they repented and he baptized them in the Jordan River. You remember, that's who we're talking about. But look at this scripture, Matthew chapter 11, verse 2. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking? For somebody else. John knew who Jesus was. He introduced us to Jesus. I mean, you remember? You remember what he said when he first saw Jesus? You know, John was standing probably knee deep in the Jordan River and preaching and waiting for more to come out and he was baptized. And he was preaching. He looked up and he sees Jesus. And, and he said, I said this in the early service. I mean, you, you, you just, this declaration, you can't, even, you can't even use the NIV or the message. You got, I mean, this is, this is, this is a preaching declaration that needs to be made in the King James. I mean, he looked up and he saw, he saw Jesus and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. I mean, you can't say that in NIV, can you? I mean, that's just awesome. That's what, that's what John the Baptist did. He introduced us to who Jesus was. And now he's questioning, are you the one? You know, because it had been a long time since John the Baptist had had a crowd come to hear him preach. It had been a long time since John the Baptist had that crowd coming and he was baptizing them in the Jordan one after the other. It had been a long time. It had been a long time since he had, he, had, he had 
thrown his shoulders back and bowed up at those religious hypocrites of his day and called them what they are, a generation of snakes. Been a long time since Jesus showed up and said, John, you have to baptize me. It's been a long time since he saw the Spirit descending out of the heavens and landing on Jesus like a dove. It's been a long time since he, since he heard the Father speak out of heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Come on, somebody ought to, somebody ought to uh, kind of connect with that. It's been a long time since I heard the voice of the Father. It's been a long time since I, I felt the Spirit descending into my soul. It's been a long time for John, too. See, he had been in prison for over a year. Prison. And i got to tell you why he's arrested, because I don't want you to think he was a bad guy. I want you to know he was arrested for preaching against adultery. I know you didn't think that was a crime, but when you preach against the adultery that the guy living in the palace is doing, then, yeah, it's a crime. He threw him in jail because he was preaching against his sin. And so now he's been, so he's been preaching against his sin. That's why he's thrown in jail. The very thing God sent him to do is what got him thrown in jail. So you know what's going on in John's mind? Now for over a year he's in jail. Nobody's coming anymore. Nobody wants to hear his sermons because his sermons get people thrown in jail. And so John's got this crisis of faith going on in his spirit. And what am I going to do with this? And, he, and, he, and he's searching through the scriptures in his mind, the holy scriptures that you and I call the Old Testament today. That's what they had. He's searching through those holy scriptures in his mind. And he's trying to, trying to make sense of all this. He's remembering all the promises and the prophecies of the Messiah. And he knew, he knew when he saw Jesus what leapt up in his own spirit. And he knew that was Jesus. And he's trying to make sense. And he's not being able to make sense of it. And, and he's trying to understand what God's plan is. I mean, how in the world could this be God's plan? Anybody else ever ask that question? How could it be God's plan for me to preach and get thrown in jail? And he can't make sense of it. He can't understand it. And he, and he prays for understanding. For a year he prays for understanding in that prison. And for a year no understanding comes. Until finally, he begins to doubt what he knew in his spirit beyond a shadow of a doubt. Sound familiar? That's where some of you are today. A crisis of faith. Every one of us has a crisis of faith. They look different. They start different. They, 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 they go different. They process different. And they end different. But here's the thing. All of us have them. Here's the thing that distinguishes you from everybody else sitting in this room and everybody else throughout all of history. Here's the thing that distinguishes you is how you handle it. And if you don't handle it and you don't stop the crisis of faith, it is going to continue its process through you until it's going to destroy you. It's going to kill you. You need to handle the crisis of faith. Let me show you how it began. That fig tree? Show you how it began. The next morning as they were hung, okay, I'm backing up to verse 12. Okay, this is the begin, this is before that, okay? So the, it's the previous morning actually in this story. But the next morning as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little way off. So he went over to see if he could find any figs. But they were, they were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. Then Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat your fruit again. And the disciples heard him say it. He cursed it. He went over. He wanted, he wanted something to eat. He needed something to eat. He was looking for it. He went over and he saw, I mean, it's got the leaves. I mean, it looks like it's, it's healthy and all that, and, and, but there's no fruit. And so he cursed it because it was fruitless. Like a lot of us have fruitless lives. You see, that's, that's the next step. You see, that's, that's where doubt wants to take you. The crisis of faith in your life 
Well, next, the next stop for you is a fruitless life. Because when you start doubting that God can do what God said He would do, there's no fruit then. When you begin to, to, to doubt that God cannot heal, then there's going to be a lot more sickness in your life. When you begin to doubt that God can fix your marriage, then we're going to see a lot more marriages fall apart. When we begin to doubt that God can heal or restructure our finances, when we begin to doubt that, there's going to be a lot more financial problems in our life. Fruitlessness comes after the doubt. And they're linked. And I don't, know, I don't, really, I don't even know necessarily that, that doubt comes first. I do know that they're totally linked. Doubt and fruitlessness totally linked. And just like Jesus, he gets, he gets to this tree. And the tree, tree looks healthy. It's got green leaves. I mean, the, root looks, the roots look fine and everything, but it's fruitless. Fruit, you ever thought something was fruitless in your life? I mean, you're standing there. Some of you are standing there today. You're looking at your life, and it's fruitless. Your marriage is fruitless. Where's, where, where's that fruit of love, that fruit of joy, that fruit of peace that's supposed to be there? Oh, oh do you, do you need, some of y'all need me to stop right here and preach a while. Because that's where you are. Your marriage is fruitless. There is no, and, and, and you're looking at it, you're staring at it, and say, how did it end up this way? I remember, I remember uh, promising until death do us part. I remember promising all these things, but how did we end up? We were so in love. And how did it end up this way? Fruitless. And you're staring at it, and you're watching it, and you're, lo- you're looking at all the mistakes that you've made. You've made more mistakes than you can count, much less fix. You're looking at your finances, and, and, and you've lost more money than most people ever earn in their life. You've quit more jobs than most people ever even have offered to them. And you're looking, and, and, and you're staring at that, and you're saying, you're saying, there's fruitless. How is this so fruitless? Your relationships, your job, your finances, areas of your life, whatever it is, you fill in the blank, and you're looking at it, fruitless. It's not just fruitless. It's not like, it's not like somebody showed up before Jesus got there and got all the fruit. It's like in your life. It's not that the fruit is gone. It's like there is no fruit. And there may be a a look on the outside like green leaves or or, or roots that look okay that that make it look like on Sunday morning, you know, we dress it up real good and we come to church and everybody says, how you doing? And we say, doing great, fine, and lie. And we know there's something and something's not right and we're looking at the the green leaves and everything looks good, but we know it's fruitless and it's falling apart. And if we don't, you better stop. Better stop it right now because it's going somewhere else. The doubt has now come to fruitless, but now it's coming somewhere else. If you don't stop it today, it's going somewhere else. You know where it goes? Let me show you right here. Now this, this, this is right in the, the, very next, the very next verse, okay, we just read. The verses we just read where Jesus saw the tree and it had no fruit and he cursed it. The very next verse is right here. It looks like a totally different story. It looks like we wake up the next morning, something else is going on. It's the very next verse, verse 15. When they arrived back at Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves, and he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. He said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. You know what happens when you get to a life of fruit? You know what happens when the church loses its fruit? You know what happens when the church cannot believe anymore that God still heals and saves and delivers and empowers and sets free? You know what happens? We begin to choose. We choose to create a church that we can do without 
the help of a miracle working God. We, 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 we build services that we can do. Well, you know, let's, what are we going to do in case God doesn't show up? I mean, we, we start building churches like that. And, and, and if you look back, I mean, my whole lifespan, that's what I see. I see. I see the story of the church age, or my age, the church in my age. I see that this is what the church has become. That the church got to a place where we began to doubt whether God still moves and whether God still heals and whether God still meets needs. And you know what make, that made us do? It made us, we began, began to be fruitless, and so we started having church services that do not depend upon a miracle-working God. Let's, let's sing a song that will make everybody happy, whether it moves God or not. Let's pray a prayer. Can somebody pray a prayer that is so enriching that it moves people in case God don't show up? Because God hadn't shown up all week. He didn't show up last Sunday. He hadn't shown up in a month. He hadn't shown up in a year. So let's, let, let, let's, let's build something. Let's create something that does not rely upon God showing up because it looks like He ain't going to show up anymore. And so we got churches. We got churches all over the world. We got churches all over this countryside that are built to continue in case God don't show up. Can I suggest something to you? Let's quit doing anything that we can do without God. And let's only do what we know we got to have God's help to do. Let's become a church like that. That is dependent upon, and it can't ever be ever again if God doesn't show up. But it's got to be, God, you must show up in our life. Because it will go deeper than this. You see, it started maybe and it was here in the church, but you know now it's in our lives. Now we're living lives that do not depend on a miracle working God. And now we, we're, we have marriages that no longer depend on God bringing His love into our marriage and keeping us unified and close through all the problems and through all the storms and through all the ups and the downs and the hills and the valleys. We don't need God anymore in our marriages. Because our marriage, we're not believing God for the dream anymore. We're believing God just help us make it through. Keep us married until our kids get old enough and get out on their own, God. And we're not believing in a miracle-working God anymore. We're believing a pacifying God. Keep us happy. But I challenge you this morning. I ask God, please God, help us believe again to have, to have faith in you that you can bring the dream back to our marriages. That you can bring the dream back to our homes. That the dream that you had for my life, whatever, whatever it used to be. Well, I know, but some of you think, I just don't know if it can happen anymore. You see, I've said so many bad things to my spouse. I've done so many bad things. I don't think my marriage can ever be what it was. But you don't understand. The God I serve, He doesn't deal with what was. He deals with what can be. And His what can be is so much more awesome than whatever was. He can make it so much better than before you met Him or the best it was when you first met Him. He's got a dream for you. That so, and we need to believe again for God to give us the dream. And not just in our marriage, in our finances. And we're raising kids without trusting in a miracle-working God. We're raising kids who don't know how to pray the prayers that you were taught when you were growing up by your parents. Amen. Oh, me. Yes, we have. We, we, call it what you want to, but we have slidden back. We have backslidden away from that place that our parents raised us to be. Some of you were raised in church. 
Some of you were raised by a mom who taught you how to pray and you've not done that with your kids. I mean, you've got a relationship with your kids that does not depend on a miracle working. God, God help us. Where in the world are they going to be 10 years down the road when they're trying to do it all by themselves? Because they don't know this miracle working God. I asked God this week, I asked God, God give me opportunity to pour into people's life that really need you. And I didn't know I was going to get it. I had somebody call me and, and their, their life was a mess and there was something going on in their life. And I'll try not to say too much because I, I do not want to, but I want to say they were telling me some things. And I said, you know, here's the problem is you no longer have a relationship with anything bigger than you. There's not a mentor in your life. There's not a person you look up to. You haven't, you haven't talked to me in a year, but you call me. You got to, what are you looking for? You're looking for something bigger than you. You need to renew relationship with God and restore and believe again that He can bring a miracle to pass in your life. I can't tell you the number of people I had hit me this week like that. And I was telling them, man, you need to be in church Sunday. You just don't have any idea what I'm preaching Sunday. And it's right there where you need to be. We need to believe again. We need to believe again because our relationships. Our relationships, we're not dependent. You know why some of you, you know why some of you cannot invite your, your co-workers to church on Easter Sunday morning? Because they don't even have a clue that you're a Christian. Because your relationships with them at work has nothing to do with a miracle working God. They've told you about their problems. You say, mm, that's really bad. And you've never said, I'm going to pray for you because I believe in a miracle working God. Oh, but that's something my grandmother used to say. Well, did it work for her? Might not be bad to try then if it worked for her. Amen or oh me. We need God to restore our faith in Him again. You know, I was thinking at the end of the first service. Oh, man, my time's up. I was thinking at the end of the first service about how, God, you know, I was thinking, man, I probably needed to tell people a little bit more of here's where you need to connect. Here's what you need. But you know what? You don't need that. Let me tell you where you're at. Where you're at. So if you're where John the Baptist was, you're in the prison, and you're all by yourself. You know what? You don't just need a God that can help you while you're here at church on Sunday. You need God to restore your faith so that you can walk it Monday through Saturday. And when you're walking it alone and nobody else cares and nobody will answer the phone. I had a lady yesterday, she said, I, she said I've had these problems today. And I said, well, why didn't you call? She said, well, she said, I called you and I called your wife, couldn't reach y'all. Called my family members, couldn't reach them. I said, you know what? You need a God that when you can't reach the pastor, you can't reach the pastor's wife, and your family doesn't care, you need a belief in a God that is always there with you. Amen. Oh, i got to hurry. Where am I at? Oh, I'll, and, and so what we do is we create this that is familiar, that is safe, that is easy, that is all about us. Church services are not about God. It's not in my notes. God spoke this to me a little bit ago, and I've totally forgotten about it until it came right back here right now, right this moment. But you know, that's, that's, where we, that's where we get this false emotional worship too. I'm not scared of worship, but I despise false emotional worship. But when we lose the faith of believing in a miracle-working God who says and does exactly what He says and means it, when we lose that, we start losing 
our fruit. And when we lose our fruit, we no longer believe in that. And so what we start doing is we have to produce a counterfeit worship. So everybody will believe that we've got what we always used to have. I ain't scared of real worship. I'm scared of that because that is right down the street from having a church that does not rely on the power of a miracle working God. I love to see people that have been with God all week long and they show up here together and say, man, I've been rejoicing and worshiping God and having a good time and da-da-da-da-da. I don't know if you're figuring this out. Let Let me explain it to you this way. Some of you Alabama fans or Auburn fans, you know, you talk it all week, whatever, during the college football season, right? You talk it all week, but then on Friday, you know, you go to the football game and you're there with 90,000 people or plus or whatever that they've been thinking it all week. They've been talking about this game's going to be something. You, you, think, you think our Heisman Trophy candidate's going to be able to break loose today. And you, get a, and you get there in that crowd of all those people who've been talking all week about this great, awesome team that you serve. You know what happens? Man, something begins churning. You all get... That's what I'm talking about. That's what's supposed to happen when we come together. We've been together all week long, and just us and God, and we've been talking about Him, thinking about Him, how awesome, how great He is. And then we show up on Sunday morning with people that have been thinking the same thing all week long. Man, we want to high-five one another. We want to give God a roll tide or a war eagle, something bigger than that, and say, thank God for who He is in us. That's what it is. That's what it's supposed to be like. But we lose that. And how do we lose We lose it because we've lost our faith in Him. Believe again. I don't care what your problem is today. I don't care what your need is today. Your, 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 the greatest need in your life is not that thing. It is to believe again. I gotta, let's go to the scripture, Mike. I got to hurry. So Jesus came to Jerusalem. I'm sorry. Let me tell you this. I'm backing up. This is the beginning for anything else I've read you yet. Here it is. Jesus came to Jerusalem, went into the temple. After looking around carefully at everything, you know nothing is hidden from God. Everybody knows God knows everything, right? If God's looking for something, he's going to find it, right? So he saw, if he's carefully looking at everything, he saw everything going on in the temple, right? Okay. After looking around carefully at everything, he left because it was late in the afternoon. Then he returned to Bethany with the 12 disciples. He saw, now what he's going to, the next day was the day he drove out all these people acting like they were religious, but they were selling stuff. They were just in it for them. He did that the next day, but he saw it the day before. I don't know if it's God's mercy in him say, I hope these people don't do this again tomorrow. I hope they don't show up. I don't know why, but for some reason, he didn't do it that day. But I just got, you know, just, this is just the way things happen with me a little bit, so I just wonder if this is the way it happened with him. One evening, just before, you know, getting, getting close to dark, he goes into the temple area, and he sees all this happening. All these things happen. It shouldn't be happening. There's no fruit. People are, people are doing church in their own way. I mean, they're, they're, they're just buying and selling. That's not what you're supposed to really supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be raising your own, bringing your own to God. Mm, don't have time for that message. That's not in my notes either. But they were doing church their own way. He saw that, but he, he went on to Bethany and went to bed. He got up the next day and he passed that tree and he saw that tree and the tree didn't have any fruit. And he said, no more. You will entice no one no, ever again. No more. This, this, this look that you're fruitful, this look that you're healthy, this look that you've got it all together, and you don't have any fruit. He looked at that tree, he said, no more. And then, it, I, I just believe this is what would have happened to me, is it just, it just clicked in his mind, the temple. The temple. 
The temple is just like this tree. They look like they, they got a whole lot of stuff going on down at the temple, but it's not fruitful. It's not my will. It's not what it's supposed to be. That temple is supposed to be a house of prayer, and they've turned it into a den of thieves. He marches right down to Jerusalem. He runs into the temple. He starts tearing over, turning over the tables. He starts running everybody out, and he says, no more, not in this house. Now, here's a scary thing, because here's what some of you are thinking. Because you've lost some faith. Maybe you've lost all of it. Because you've lost faith, you've begun to doubt. And there's, a, there's just fruitlessness totally in your life. And you've started living a life that has no reliance on a miracle working God again. You think that this is about you. That this, this, this part right there is about you. Oh no, he's going to point to me and say no more about and He's not going to say no more about you. He's not, he loves you. He's not, he's not come to curse you today. But he wants to curse the fruitlessness in your life. He wants to look at the tree that you are and say no more about the fruitlessness. He wants to look into your marriage and say fruitlessness, the lack of joy and peace into your in marriage from this day on, no more. I curse the fruitlessness that is in your life and from this day forward, you will be fruitful. Joy and peace and love will be in your life. For your finances, there's no fruit. He wants to curse the fruitlessness of your life and say you've been putting your money in bags full of holes and you ain't got anything left and, and the devourers keep seeing it up and, and he's saying I'm cursing that fruitlessness in your finances and from this day forward no more some of you need Jesus to show up today don't you and look into your life and curse the fruitlessness and say no more from this day forward you will be fruitful in your marriage you're going to be fruitful in your finances you're going to be fruitful in your relationship with your kids or with your parents and with your co-workers and you're going to be fruitful in your belief in me that I can do all things in Jesus name somebody say amen Stand with me, Will. Come to the front. Come on. We need God to come speak to us. Come on to the front, please. Prayer team, go ahead and get ready. Amen. If you have an area in your life that is fruitless and you need God to rebuke the fruitlessness, come on down and let the prayer team ever start praying with you right now. Uh, just whenever you get ready to. i got one more little thing I want to share with you, but hey, if you're ready now, just come on down. Say, Let me tell you something. I get those times. I get little crises of faith every once in a while too. And, and my faith isn't as strong as I need it to be. And so you know what I do? I need to find somebody that's got a little extra faith in me. And I just need to say, hey, can you share a little bit with me for a few minutes, Brother Britton? I need somebody to help me believe. Okay, if the pastor can admit that, then you ought to be able to. If you need prayer, come on down. I, I, I need God to restore the fruit. My marriage, my finance, whatever area of your life. I can't leave John the Baptist where I live. Some of you got a, probably got a taste in your mouth about John the Baptist after what I just said about him. So I can't leave him there. I got to tell you about John the Baptist. Here's what, John the Baptist has been in jail for over a year. And sometimes we, sometimes we can look at him and say, oh, my goodness, I can't believe John the Baptist lost his faith over that. You lost yours. You ain't even had a problem a week yet. He's been in jail for a year. So before you start casting stones... Go sit in a jail cell and see what it feels like. But you know what he did? What I tell you is going to distinguish you from everybody else standing here today. What he did was how he stopped the crisis of faith. What, what distinguished him is how he stopped the crisis of faith. And you know what he did? He asked God, tell me again. Tell me again that you're the one. He knew he was the one. He was just saying, tell me again. Tell me everything that I've worked for. Everything that I've preached about, everything that I've prayed, 
everything that I've desired, everything that I've hoped. Tell me one more time that it's true. And this, you know what? It's okay. God doesn't, he doesn't castigate him. He doesn't say, go tell John to mind his own business. He knew what, no, that's not what he does. When the disciples, when John's disciples get to Jesus, when John's disciples get to, guess what Jesus is doing? He's praying for people. He's healing people. He's casting out demons. He's turning people's lives around. And you know what Jesus said? He says, here's the answer. Let me tell you the answer that you send back to John. And here it is. He says, go back and tell John what you have seen and heard. Blind people see again. Lame people are walking. Those with skin diseases, they are made clean. Deaf people hear again. Dead people are brought back to life. And poor people hear the good news. You know what? When you ask God and you start believing again, it all returns. Amen. Come on, somebody believe Him again. Take the hand of somebody close to you. Listen, if you have a need in your family, don't you wait another second. Come on down right now. If you have a need, come on down right now. Let a, let a prayer team member pray with you. Take the hand of somebody. Uh, you might not need their faith. They may, may need yours today. And believe right now. Ask God. Jamie, go ahead and lead us. Don't start singing till you finish praying. Get a hold of God right now. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we come to you.